when comfort becomes king, change becomes an enemy to be avoided. But destiny always lies just outside of your comfort zone. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Today's interview is with Bishop Joseph Walker III, who is the senior leader of the historic Mount Zion Baptist Church of Nashville, Tennessee. In 1992, at the age of 24, Bishop Walker began his pastorate at Mount Zion with 175 members. Presently, the ministry has grown to over 30,000 and continues to grow at a phenomenal rate of over 1,000 souls per year, as well as a weekly broadcast of over 15 million viewers worldwide. Bishop Walker currently serves as the international presiding bishop in the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship and the best-selling author of 12 books. This interview was incredibly rich, full of wisdom and leadership insight. So listen, without any further ado, Let's jump in to this incredible conversation. Bishop Walker, welcome to Transformational Truths. We're truly honored to have you on. I'm so happy to be with you, Travis. Thank you for uh, this opportunity. Well, we've been looking forward to it. So here's today's transformational truth. When comfort becomes king, Change becomes an enemy to be avoided, but destiny always lies just outside of your comfort zone. And today we're talking about a leader's call to discern and lead through seasons of change. The challenge is that comfort has a way of taking destiny captive. The harsh reality of conflict and emotionally charged resistance that comes with leading people through change can often tempt gifted leaders to redefine success as simply maintaining the status quo. But the fact of the matter is that if we're never willing to rock the boat, we'll never discover what it feels like to walk on the water. And helping us unpack this idea today is Bishop Joseph Walker. Bishop, you recently released a new book that we're all excited to talk about and can't wait to jump into that in a few minutes. But first, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go back to something important that you wrote in 2015. I think it's pertinent to this episode's Transformational Truth. In your book, Leader Shifts, Mastering Transitions in Leadership and Life, you said something that I think is so important. Here's what you wrote. If you're gonna be an effective leader, you must be teachable and adaptable. You cannot be stuck in traditions that are no longer effective. Tradition is nothing more than frozen success. Oh my goodness, what a statement. There are many organizations and leaders who are struggling for relevance in a changing world, but the world won't wait. The world is moving rapidly, and only those who are willing to shift will have sustainability. My goodness, Bishop, you wrote that in 2015. That was six years ago. Now, fast forward to 2021. Those words feel more relevant than ever before. I mean, to a leader who knows he or she is being called out of the boat, uh, to get a little uncomfortable, to get into those waters of destiny, where would you tell them to start and, and what's at stake here? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to acknowledge that shift happens. Mm. It happens with or without us. It is inevitable. It is a part of the 
uh, growth process. And when God does, God is never stagnant. He takes us from glory to glory. And so because he's a progressive God, he's shifting us into different seasons and dispensations. And we have to own that. And we have to accept that nothing's going to wait on us. For a leader, you have to realize what's at stake, you know, is this idea that God has called you for something much greater than you. Leadership is about leading people from a place of origination and taking them to a place of destination, mm. God preordained. Part of that is that your hesitancy, your inability to move and shift with the cloud, to move when God says move, not only hinders you, but it retards the progress of the people to whom you've been entrusted. So what's at stake is not just you, but generations of folks who are waiting for you to step out mm. to do what God has called you to do. When you mm. understand the stewardship of that moment, then then it allows you to step out with more faith and confidence and courage and embrace it. What God says to Joshua, after my servant Moses is dead, now you, now take these people over. Mm. Now, there's an urgency of now. There's a moment that you cannot sit here and lament and you can't mourn. After the mourning process of one season, you have to go because vision is for an appointed time. And if you miss that time, if you miss that moment, it's like missing a bus, man, missing your flight. Wow. It's so much that you end up having to rearrange in your life and the lives of other people. And so I think that's what's at stake. Wow. Wow. Where would you encourage a leader to start if they're saying, oh, I know I, I, know I need to shift? Uh, how do I start the process of shifting practically? Well, I think, first of all, I think it's important to have a mentor. I think that's mm -hmm. where I would start. You know, whatever you stand under is what you understand. So you need someone that can pour into your life and show you the strategies on how they've done it and be able to pour that back into you. That's number one. And secondly, you're going to have to really take a deep dive into God's word, not for preaching, but for living. This idea of faith, we preach it, we talk about it, but you have to be able to live it in your own life. You have to begin to realize the discipline of what that means, activating that level of faith for yourself. I think thirdly, it's building a team around you, right? That you can now reset the expectations of folks about your leadership, to help people understand. See, this is about a new ethos, a new mindset. It's about the biggest issue of getting the children of Israel out of Egypt was not getting them out physically, it was getting them out mentally. Mm. Wow. Right? Wow. Right? And so you have to surround yourself with a bunch of folks who can help liberate the minds of those to whom you lead so they can then help you mitigate some of the challenges that will inevitably occur when people question, why are we moving? Why are we doing this? Why are we shifting? You need other folks that can help articulate the movement that you have. That's why it's important to build that collaborative model around you. Well, Bishop, that is so rich. I want to take a moment and recap. A couple of things you just said that are vital. Number one, you said we're called to lead people from origination to destination. That is rich. And whatever you stand under is what you understand. We all need mentors and people speaking into our lives, leading people into a new mentality. That hits close to home for me. I just, I'm going to go ahead and give a shameless plug for my own new book, Seven Deadly Thoughts conquering the thoughts that limit your life and leadership. And uh, it's, it's intriguing to me, Bishop, um, when working with uh, gifted leaders, how many of them are stuck someplace, but they're not stuck because of capability and not stuck because of talent or anointing. Oftentimes they're stuck because of a mindset. Have you discovered that to be true in your own leadership journey? 
Yeah, yeah, I have. It's an important, you know, you, you know, you, it's really a, you know, it's one of those come to Jesus moments, you know, you really have to come to this fork in the road, you know, you have to really come to this fork in the road. How am I going to, to shift my way of thinking in order that I can remain relevant and not be on the side of irrelevance? And we hold sacred certain tenets that have been with us for years, 20 and 30 years. These mm. people never realized the world is changing. And we often begin to wonder whether or not we are compromising the integrity of our of our message and our mission by shifting. And in fact, you're not. What you're only doing is changing the wrapping paper. You're not changing the gift. You're trying to make yourself relevant in a culture. And that's what's so important, right? And I think that's what we do. You know, you know, the perfect example of that, you know, it's like the pastor stands up and who fusses that people in the congregation are on their phones. Put those phones down and pick up your Bible. Well, their Bible is actually in their phone today. Right, right. <laughs> right. right. But everything is done by the phone. Banking is done by the phone. And so it's a concept. Right. You don't make that shift and you steal a paper Bible saved, if you will. You know, you're not really thinking about that. <laughs> you're going to miss a whole generation of folks. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, interview is already rich and blessing us. Uh, Bishop, I think one of the challenges of leading through change is, I mean, for a leader, that is, is the frustration that comes from the resistance a leader can face along the way. Um, having led through change, I think, you know, at times it can feel absolutely exhausting. Uh, a leader's good intentions are often questioned to the point where even the most gifted leaders can wonder if it's all worth it. Uh, in fact, you, you wrote about this. Um, I want to read it because I think it's something a lot of leaders can relate to. You said, there is an incredible sense of loneliness when you're doing transformative ministry because the gatekeepers of the status quo often marginalize, in some cases, even demonize you, the leader. Uh, I don't think there's a leader, Bishop Walker, that can't relate to that statement. Anybody who has ever received a vision, cast vision, has felt the sentiments of, of that statement that you just made, practically speaking, how does a leader navigate these seasons of loneliness and frustration? Well, I think it's incredibly important to understand, first of all, that change creates a level of anxiety among all of us. Change is tough. That's we, that we have a natural inclination to resist. Yeah. You know, for instance, when your hair turns, turns gray, you dye it, you know, <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> I give it, I'm trying to fight the inevitable. I think secondly, is it, it, I think more important is to really take a deeper dive and understand that people's responding to change it's not, should not be personalized by you as a leader because it is actually grief. People are grieving the loss of the institution as they once knew it. And when people are grieving, they go through the various stages of grief, shock, anger, and bargaining. So all these different things occur with you as a leader. So when you're being attacked or you're being questioned, you have to wonder, is it really me or is it they're fighting for significance? They're wondering what role would they play in this new shift? Uh, so they really matter. They've had incredible influence and voice in the church. And now all these new things are coming. Will I matter? Will, will I be forgotten? Will, will my family's legacy be forgotten? And that's why it's important as a leader when you shift and when you understand that you build a church, you move forward with what, what I believe, you know, do efficacy. You have to be able to honor the, the, the history but also be willing to move in destiny in a mm. balanced way. Planes fly like this. They fly balanced. If one leans to the other, you're making a turn that may be ill-advised. And it's very important that you lead with that kind of, you know, equal distribution of, 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 of uh, intentionality. Oh, wow, that's so good. 
Uh, Bishop, on January 13th of this year, you released a brand new book called Leadership and Loneliness. Oh my goodness. Um, and in just a few short weeks, it became a number one uh, book in Christian church leadership on Amazon. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. What led you to write this book and what do you want this book to accomplish in the lives of those who read it? Being a leader at our church here in Nashville for 29 years, uh, I have come to understand that leadership is tough stuff. It's tough work in any capacity. And there are a lot of things that leaders deal with that oftentimes they deal with in silo. They deal with by themselves mm -hmm. because of fear of how it may compromise their ability to lead. And so therefore it's hard to be transparent, create places of trust, and particularly leaders in their own city could probably count on one hand, the leaders in their city that they could actually have a cup of coffee with and go and be very honest with because there's yeah. so many underlying issues of trust and competition, all those kinds of things. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's inherent within leadership, this idea of loneliness. Now I'm writing this book and then all of a sudden now I'm writing and then COVID-19 hits and now there's social distancing. Mm. Now it's amplified because now I'm already lonely, now I'm even more lonely because now people are not understanding my leadership. They're thinking that now my life must be great because I'm not going to the church and preaching as many services. I'm just preaching to the <laughs> video camera. They have no idea the weight of that. They have no idea that I'm working harder now than I've ever worked before. That's I'm right. Or because I'm trying to keep the ship afloat. I'm dealing with more things. I'm zooming and zooming and zooming and zooming. And all of a sudden, nobody understands that. And so now they, they have a very, you know, uh, uh, unusual perspective of my leadership. And hmm. that's what causes me to go into this, further and further into this silo. And I'm wondering, does anybody feel me? Anybody understand me? And I realized hmm. I wrote the book because I wanted leaders to know you're not by yourself. There are some of us I who get it. We know exactly what you're feeling. And I wanted to provide some strategies to help you know how to mitigate that, how to work through that. Because there is the tension of how do I lead the masses? How to also reconcile those moments of extreme loneliness at the same time. That dichotomy is something every leader deals with. That feeling when you get through ministering to hundreds or thousands of people and get in your car and drive away, you're singularly by yourself, lonely, wondering what's going to happen and all the different things that could come upon you. All those different attacks come mentally. They come in every capacity. And if you don't have healthy outlets, healthy coping mechanisms, you're not going to deal with it well. We saw a rise in suicide among clergy. Mm -hmm. All these things because leaders didn't have a place to release this stuff. Mm. That's why I wrote the book. Wow, Bishop, can you offer us two practical things that leaders can do to navigate the loneliness that they feel? Because I can just imagine leaders are listening right now. We have a lot of pastors, a lot of ministry leaders that listen to this podcast. And they, they, everything you're saying is resonating in their heart. They're, they're saying, oh, somebody gets it. Somebody gets me. Somebody else understands. I don't think, generally speaking, that the body, the church body, really can comprehend a lot of the loneliness or the struggles that most pastors have have dealt with or wrestled with these these past uh, 14, 15 months. Practically speaking, what's one or two things that, that maybe you can offer to help leaders right now? Well, I think it's important uh, to, to really build intentional community, to really be intentional. What we've been able to do now in this virtual space is kind of have, have less of a threat of engaging relationships that we might have had prior to, you know, COVID. You know, we've got to get on a plane and fly. Now you can engage certain people, reach out to leaders and say, hey, man, let's talk. You know, I heard of right. you. I had a chance to really engage you. 
Uh, and this is a great opportunity, building intentional relationships with folks who get it, right? I've had pastors reach out to me. I've never met who forge great relationships. And that's what's important, building community. Secondly, I think is it, it's important to be honest and, uh, and to reset expectations in your congregation, right? Resetting expectations. You're not a superhero here. Letting people know that, that you bleed. A lot of leaders are bleeding while leading. And it's mm. important to be honest about that. You hurt, you're tired, you hurt. And so it's important to build an infrastructure that can support that and that does not make you the end all, be all. Finally, I would say, uh, and I talked about this in the last chapter of the book, uh, is reimagining how to lead, leading from the middle. We often have been taught to lead from, a, from, from, from the front. And I get that. It has its place, leading people from the front. But if you really look critically at Jesus' ministry, he led from the middle. The crowd surrounded him. He was in the middle of the crowds. And that model is interesting, right? Because it allows us to have greater empathy and feel the people. The one with the issue of blood was able to get to him because he was in the middle. He felt, I feel the people pressing me, but I felt something different when she touched me. That's so good. I'm in the middle. I have an empathy. I could feel people's heart, feel their pain. I know. And it helps them know me and me know them. Jesus sits at the table with the disciples for the, for the Last Supper. He's not at the head of the table. He's at the middle. When he dies on Calvary, he dies in the middle. He's a middleman. When you lead from the middle, it helps you realize how many allies you have, how many wow. can really understand what you're feeling and dealing with and how you can help reshape how people view your leadership. Wow. Leading from the middle. Uh, our listeners, you, you might have to hit rewind a few times and re-listen to uh, that last 60 seconds. My goodness. Um, it is so important and so valuable. Now, but, but Bishop, um, you, you just gave us some incredible uh, encouragement. But Bishop, um, I can't let people know that I bleed. I'm the lead pastor. But Bishop, I can't let people know that I'm human too. They might not respect me anymore. I, now, I know that that's not necessarily the case, but oftentimes, as you know, Bishop, very well, many of us have been brought up under a different paradigm of leadership. We were actually encouraged not to let people know we're human. We were encouraged not to let people know that we bleed as well for fear that people uh, may no longer respect us. What would you say in response to leaders that can relate to that paradigm? Absolutely, I get that tension. I understand it better than anyone else, but I do think, I think we have to understand the people we pastor today is a different breed of folks. Yeah. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's why I said leave from the middle. People really today don't expect you to be what you have historically thought they expected you to be. Yeah. And it's important people, they've seen clergy self-destruct. They have seen various things occur in pastors and their hearts have been wrenched by it. Mm. And I think it's just important to just be honest about yeah. where you are, to take vacations, to realize if there's anything we should have learned through COVID, that God's church belongs to him. You know, some of us are nervous about going <laughs> to the virtual space. Oh my God, are people going to give? And then God's like, uh, I'm going to show you what I've always tried to show you. This is my church. So can you give me my church back? Wow. Take a you know, go take care of you. You know, one of the things that I have found is so important this season is to protect the asset. The asset is you. Hmm. You don't protect you. What's the point of this? Right? You have to protect the asset. And I think that's what's so, so important to not, you know, make assumptions that people are going to disengage with you because you're transparent. One of these has been a great witness to our growth in our ministry has been the incredible transparency about which I've taught and shared. And when you read this book, Leadership Belongness, I don't think I could ever be as transparent in any book. Yeah. I've written 13. 
this is probably the most transparent I've ever been about how I felt, where I was, and it's blessed my people. I wrote this book because I wanted people who, who had people following them. I wanted the followers mm-hmm. to read it so they could then respond to their leader differently. Oh. And I can I can confirm that you know Bishop I've uh, had the privilege of following your ministry for for years now. You've always been transparent. You've always modeled leadership and transparency in leadership, uh, and it's always been incredibly refreshing. But never never as much as now. And I want to say thank you for that. It's a blessing to um, all of us who are connected to your leadership and in your ministry. I want to re- I want to echo something that Bishop Walker just said for all of the leaders that are listening. I really think this is vital. I think we need to hear this in a culture that is often uh, striving for more, uh, in a culture that often rewards um, the grind, as we call it, the grind. It's it's always about rewarding early mornings and late nights, and we often glamorize that. The fact of the matter is, is the behind the scenes, uh, leaders are burning out, they're giving out, their marriages are, are struggling, their relationships with their children are oftentimes non-existent. Uh, but Bishop just said something that I think all of us need to hear, incredible wisdom. He said, Take a vacation and take care of you. Protect the asset. Wow. And I can just sense some of our listeners getting some freedom right there, Bishop, hearing that wisdom from a leader who right now is, is leading organizationally at an incredibly high level. Um, how important is it to you? This is not a planned question, Bishop. How important is it to you to take vacations? How important is it to you to create margin in your schedule your calendar for your marriage and for your your family and for yourself it is a top priority everything evolves around that for me you know my family mm-hmm. down and plan our calendar before i plan the church calendar you know i i understand that that if that's not a healthy part of my life nothing else to be i refuse to sacrifice my family and all to my ministry mm-hmm. as a consequence i want to make certain that i do take those breaks i carve those things out and then i Help my church understand, yeah, this is pastor's vacation. We know he's going to be gone, but they're mature enough to still show up and support and do what they have to do. That's what you have to do for your own sanity. And then what happens, you'll find out. And that was a season in my life where I felt I couldn't get away. I couldn't get away. I had to be there and be there. And I realized I was getting stale. I wasn't hearing from God. Uh-huh. I messages. I'm like, okay, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. I need fresh revelation from God. What's going right. on? Because you are stale. You have to, as Jesus' custom was, he went apart from the disciples to pray to his father. Come get revelation, bring it back. Yeah. That's yeah. what we have to do, man. We gotta get away. Yeah. So we have we have it set up where, you know, a wife, the kids, we have vacation. My wife and I have vacation. And then I have personal getaways. Wow. You have to do it that way. Wow. You, you cannot. Take the family on those moments when you are trying to hear from God. This is mm. all, you know, those really aren't vacations. Those are kids' times. <laughs> you and the wife alone, and then it's you and you by yourself, and you can get downloads from God. Can, can you repeat that order for us again, Bishop Walker? Yeah, there is, there is, there is the family, my wife and I, and the kids. Yes. Right? So we carve that out. Where are we all going? Disneyland. We're going, you know, here and there. We're going up to the mountains. Great. Then where is my wife and I going? Where mm-hmm. we're gonna go for our anniversary, where we're gonna go for this or that. And then when am I going to take how how regularly do I need personally two days, three days to get away from me? So I every quarter, every three months, I take two or three days just for me. But it's two days, Thursday and Friday. 
Mm. I just, I need to get away for me to hear from God so I don't get stale. Now I do wow. that post COVID obviously, but yeah. Wow. That's, that's uh, so valuable. I, I remember a time Bishop where I felt like I couldn't stop producing. I felt like it was necessary. I need to keep producing. I needed to keep producing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, and then when I finally took the break, something incredible happened. I found that I started to produce effortlessly. Um, I found out that when I took time away to sharpen the saw, as we used to say, uh, suddenly I came back. Creativity was restored. Production was restored. Revelation insights that um, I, I couldn't have gotten by all of the quote unquote grinding. So thank you. That is incredibly valuable. Um, Bishop, to, to, to somebody who's, uh, they're, they're trying to get mentors. They're, they want mentors, as you've already uh, graciously uh, shared with us. They've, they've sought out mentors. They want to build relationships. They even want friendships. But they've been burned before. They, yeah. They've been hurt before. They, they want it uh, on one hand, but on the other hand, they are scared to death of it. How would you encourage a leader to trust again? What do we yeah. do? How do we trust again? I totally get it. I think it's it, this kind comes by prayer and fasting. I really do believe that. I think that when you pray and you fast and ask God to lead you to the right leader, I think mm. you have to know it's like a person who comes to our church who's been burned. Mm. Tell them, you know, don't treat this experience like the other, you know. And right, it's important that to it, study that leader, look at that leader's track record. Talk to the folks who follow that leader. Talk to the folks who are mentored by that leader. That's what I would do. Right? Look at how that leader pushes other folks and supports them. That mm. is an indication of what that looks like. Hmm. Great wisdom. My final question, uh, Bishop Walker, what would you say to encourage a lonely leader who might be listening right now who is discouraged? Uh, they do feel alone. They, they have been wrestling with... Uh, this COVID season, trying to lead their ministry, the church, the organization, what advice would you offer to help them to keep running their race, to not quit? Well, I would say to you, first of all, you're not by yourself. Um, there's a great cloud of witnesses that, that understand this journey you're on. Leadership is part of, you know, tough work, but heavy lifting, but yet, you know, it is the grace of God that allows us all to do what we do. And secondly, it is an opportunity for you to, to really tap into the ingenuity and the giftings that God has given to you in this season and not roll over and just lament how mm. tough it is. This is an opportunity to reimagine your leadership style, to rebrand church, to do all that we have to do as we prepare to go back into the physical location and all of that, so to do that. I think it's also an opportunity to really get back to the disciplines that, that you had when he first called you. Uh, mm. that we have to use this moment of COVID-19 and, and uh, being at home and having more time, not traveling, not moving around. We're not, to, the best way I can explain it, if I can say this, I, I want to minister to you. We as leaders often are in the trap of doing. We anesthetize ourselves from our own trauma because if we do, 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 we don't have to worry about anything else. I'll just keep, stay busy and not have to deal with it. And then all of a sudden it comes crashing down and realize, man, I'm hurting. What do I do? Right. God has not called you to be a human doing. He's called you to be a human being. Uh, that's so good. First sermon Jesus preached was not the do attitudes. It was the be attitudes. <laughs> if you focus on being, being, the doing will come naturally. 
He doesn't want people doing who are wounded and broken, fractured. He wants us whole in our being. Mm. One with the issue of blood was made whole, right? Wholeness is what we're after here. And I think this is an opportunity for you as a leader to say, Lord, make me whole. There's a lot of bruises, there's a lot of stuff we've had to endure. We've gone through a lot that nobody understands, man. We've been dragged through a lot in this season just to keep the people ministered to. Yeah. We have to ask God, Lord, do what we cannot do. Make me whole so I can be again. I can have the vibrancy again. I can do what John says the Spirit of God told him to say to the church in Asia Minor, that church we know so eloquently. You left your first love. Return back. <laughs> Turn back to your first love. Repent and go back to that. Mm-hmm. Then your first call, your first passion. Man, when your Bible was full of highlighter and you were just so enamored with God and his presence, but doing got, got you away from that because you were wow. just doing the work but not being the work. And that's what I want to say to you. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Today's transformational truth is when comfort becomes king, change becomes an enemy to be avoided. But destiny always lies just outside of our comfort zone. Bishop Walker, where can people find you? Hey, you can reach out for me on Instagram at Joseph Walker 3. Very simple. Mount Zion Church, Nashville. If you'd like to connect with Bishop Walker III, please check out the links that I've included for you in the show notes. And if transformational truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes and rate the show. Write us a quick review. We want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Bishop Joseph Walker, thank you so much for making this investment in our lives today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a blessing.